You can be seated. Two things that's really good about that. One, we're clapping for the word and not a person. Right? Two, that was my son. <laughs> uh, you ever have one of those mornings? <laughs> Red Bull in hand. I'm just saying. Full sugar. It's snowing. Darn it. I tell you what, whoever it is, and I, I probably should have called my mom because it's probably her, who's been praying for this garbage. <laughs> call, call it what it is. Matter of fact, who in here likes this? Like this is, you, you enjoy, oh, there are, there are okay. Okay. Uh, we really need to pray. <laughs> it is, it is crazy. Um. But let's do pray. Can we do that? And Jesus said, here's how we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation." But deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And his kids say, Amen. Amen. Never gets old. I wanted to add, deliver us from evil and snow. I did not. That would be sacrilegious. Um, one, one of our first service, um, the table didn't come out. The table that was supposed to come out didn't come out. We realized that the guy who normally brings the table out is plowing right now. That's why the table didn't come out. Um, but what I want to say is thank you for, for being here. Um, I know you traversed some things, shoveled some things, uh, snowed to get here, had to move some cars, move heaven and earth, but you made it. If you're watching online, we are so glad you are with us too in your warm, comfy home on your warm, comfy couch. Good for you. Um, but there's a guy here, and I asked him to stay for the second service, Chris Baker. Um, yeah, you can that's okay. We love you. Part of the family. And Chris traveled. Typically, he comes every Sunday. It takes him an hour and 15 to get here because he comes from Oswego. Today took two hours to get here. And there's a reason that you decided I'm getting up and I'm going to church. And I want you to come up here and share that with us because I think that would be fun for our people to hear. So you give Chris a warm welcome because we love him. And... <laughs> What's uh, up, y'all? You said, I'm not missing church. Why? Uh, because Tuesday morning I'm taking the first flight out down to Tampa. And uh, a lot of people are like, oh, you're, that's so dope. You get to go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, not really. Um, I go every year to the Super Bowl to do outreach uh, with the FBI, Homeland Security, and a bunch of other trafficking ministries to look for, locate, and help recover those who are being trafficked at the Super Bowl. First of all, Chris, um, just that sheer number alone um, that you shared earlier. Tell us last year how many people they were, young women, young men, able to rescue. Yeah, last year in Miami, they were able to recover 275 um, already this week, they, I got an alert before, uh, during the last service, they had just recovered the 50th uh, this week. And a lot of people thought because, um, you know, the pandemic, nobody's going to go to the Super Bowl, there's not going to be a, a huge crowd or anything, so there's going to be less trafficking, right? Wrong. Um, I can tell you that within a hour and a half radius of Tampa, every hotel room has been booked for the next two weeks, so it's just as bad as ever. Just as bad. Chris, you were sharing with me that uh, there's um, something the FBI uses um, to be able to track some of these kids. Can you share that with us? Because I think it's really enlightening. Yeah, it's, um, it's a collaboration between the FBI, Homeland Security, and the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. There's a piece of software called Spotlight. And what it does is it pulls in all the escort ads in the Tampa area and it ties them to the database for national, uh, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, and it has facial recognition to tie those together um, and gives further intelligence to go and, and rescue those kids. Wow. So I want you to know that 
Number one, uh, we're, we're excited that you get to be part of this, um, and we want to pray for you, because we believe you're walking into the devil's den. Yeah, that's the fun part. Right? <laughs> yeah. So it, real quick, just about, because I'm not praying for your safety today. No, I don't. You know, I, I said it during the first service. I, there's a song that I like. It definitely is not a worship song, but <laughs> one of the lines in it is, I used to say, stay safe. Now I say, stay dangerous. And Tuesday morning, I get to wake up at about four in the morning, put on my gasoline boots, and go walk through hell for the week. So it's going to be fun. Yeah, you feel like Jesus stayed safe? No, never. That's <laughs> that's why we do it. I mean, it's it's really cool to be able to work with these amazing law enforcement folks and these other ministries um, on with one goal in mind, and it's just rescuing kids that are being trafficked. It's it's a disgusting thing that we're you know hoping is eradicated at some mm-hmm. point, and that's the prayer. But you know. In the meantime, we're going to do what he called us to do. That's awesome. Listen, that's the oppressed. That's the marginalized. That's the people that are just at the center of God's heart. And we're going to pray that God uses you in this moment. I know you're going to be doing some cover-ups, and that always means you're going to be hearing stories of trauma and hurt and pain. And so we're going to be praying that God gives you wisdom and words and that you're able to do and be who he's called you to be. Would you stand with me? And we're just going to maybe put a hand forward and as if we're putting a hand on Chris's um, life. And if you're watching with us online, I'd invite you to do the same. God, uh, just super grateful for this friend. Um, He's become like a brother. And I love his heart for people. Um, You've given that to him because it's evident, because Jesus pours out. And you can't be around him long to know what he's passionate about. And he gets to go be part of something that is um, truly at the center of your heart, which is rescuing the oppressed. those in bondage, those who are trapped. And God, I pray that you would lead them by your spirit to every place, every hidden place, and find everyone possible. Everyone who's being enslaved in this day is not in your will. And so, God, we pray your spirit upon him to give him the words to say, to give him the strength and the power and the courage to do what you've called him to do. We love him. We are praying all week long. And on Super Bowl Sunday, we will be also praying even more. We pray in Jesus' name, God, you go with him, surround him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you, buddy. Thanks, y'all. Uh, I'll, also, I'll also say this. Um, it, it takes funds to be able to do what Chris does. He, um, I believe, has done over 5,600 Cover up. cover-ups and removals. Yeah, it's gone up. 6,500 cover-ups and removals for gang members and, and people who have been trafficked for free. And so there's always an opportunity. He didn't ask me to do this, but if you go to ink180.com, you can give, which also helps him get to where he's going and be able to supply all the things that he needs, and I would encourage us to do that. So the last week of the series, I promise, this is it. We're ending it. If you're here till one, it'll be over, all right? Um, and, and it is a powerful ending. I'm not going to set it up and spoil it, but I'm excited for it. I'm not going to go back and talk about anything. I'm going to go forward. Okay, for three weeks, I've gone back and just tried to sow seed and help and all that. I'm not doing that this time. I'm just going to jump right in. Okay, if I start doing that, just somebody say, stop it, or don't, don't, because that would be weird. Um, <laughs> but we need God to come and give us kingdom mindset. We want to think like Jesus in a world that thinks like so many other things. And that's what we've been talking about. What does it mean to have a kingdom mindset? I will, don't yell stop. I will say one thing that when I say blessed, I want you to get this. I need this to sow into the depths of your heart because this is a huge problem in our lives. When he says blessed are, and he, we begin to read those and hear those, when he said blessed are, is happy are. Let me say it differently because we've corrupted happy, full of joy, God's joy, blessed are, full of joy are, full of joy that circumstances can't touch, full of joy, because we have God who is the supplier and meter of every possible thing we need or want or could ever satisfy, God is it, and we are convinced of that. So much so that we are not going to dabble at all in a worldly mindset ever anymore, period. And yet, here we are. And I was thinking, have you ever, as a parent, and and maybe just as a person, maybe this is for everybody. Have you ever felt like when you're talking to somebody, 
that it goes in one ear and not the other? Right? Parents, when you're talking to your kids, it's like, okay, lights are on, nobody's there right now. You're not hearing what I'm saying. We slow it down, we take the volume up, we do everything we can, but it goes in one ear and out the other. I looked up in one ear and out the other to see what that would say. What does it mean to go in one ear and out the other? Here's what it said. It means that you quickly forget. There you go. I feel like this is one of the conversations that we read about in Scripture or we have as the church, and it goes in one ear and out the other. Now, I'm owning that for myself too, okay? We're not going to get up here, point a finger at you, and say, you are so horrible. We are so awesome. I struggle a lot because for my whole life, I was told that it was the do attitudes, not the be attitudes, that I have to go do these things. And if I don't do these things, then God's going to be really angry with me. And to gain heaven, it's really important that you do these things. And God is saying it has absolutely nothing to do with it. If you put your hope and faith and trust in me, then you've got me. Isn't that awesome? And if you will spend time with me, then you'll start to look like me and you will be these things and you will be blessed meaning there will be a joy inside of you that nothing in this world no matter how good or bad can touch that's blessed okay you reminded now we're good didn't go in one ear not the other because here's the deal we go out and we still sell our souls to relationships that don't matter that we think are fulfilling us i'm not talking about marriage by the way so you're going oh nope talking about what we sell out for certain things for the pursuit of things that we think will bring us joy and happiness for the favor of people that whose favor we don't need because we have gods are you tracking and so we did blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are those who mourn for they'll be comforted blessed are the meek for they'll inherit the earth blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be satisfied and then we kind of got halfway through, blessed are the merciful, for they will, shall receive mercy. Do you remember that? And we kind of stopped. Let me catch us up. The kingdom-minded citizen is forgiving and compassionate. The kingdom-minded citizen is forgiving and compassionate. How many of you find it super easy when people do horrible things to you, super easy to forgive? There are some. Yeah. How many of you struggle when people do things that are hurtful to you, you struggle to forgive? Raise your hand. Okay. In your own strength, you cannot force yourself to be a natural forgiver. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, because God forgives you, you will be able to forgive others. It will come because it's who you are. So when we say mercy, at its core is forgiveness. So mercy is not getting what we deserve, thank God. And grace is getting what I don't deserve. And God is full of what? Grace and mercy. That's why he's awesome. He's also a God of judgment. But when it comes to his kids, he's a God of discipline. <sighs> that whole nother sermon, and I almost walked into it. We're not going to. Grace seems unfair until you need some, doesn't it? And Jesus is teaching us that the good life, and I want you to get this, the good life, when I say the good life, it's the Jesus life, comes to those that offer what is undeserved, which is mercy. And so we said, do to others what you would have them do to you. And we stopped there because I felt like our hearts needed attended to. Because for some of us, we've been doing that, and it isn't coming back. And what we learned is when Jesus says, do to others as you would have them do to you, they may never do it back, but it's not why we do it. And so we stopped there and let God fill our hearts with his strength and courage and healing for those spaces. But I want to go on to say what I didn't say last time. The good life will not come to those who hang on to past grievances. Got that? That's a biggie. The good life doesn't come to those who hang on to past grievances. I'm not talking about we ignore them, we push them under the carpet, we just say, okay, it's good, I'll move on. No, we have to deal with them. And the Bible clearly shows us how to do that. And that's what the church is here for, to learn to do that well and to hold each other's hands as we do that. But the good life will not come to those who hang on to past grievances, and it will not come to those that are stingy with their grace. The good life belongs to those that give the undeserved gift of grace because they were given the undeserved gift of grace through Jesus. And so we give that gift. The world might see mercy as weakness, because the world will ask you to be cutthroat. Let me 
maybe describe that, to use others as a stepping stone to success, to leave behind those who can't keep up. Don't you love the movies where somebody's struggling and there's somebody that has the character enough to go back and get them and bring them along? That's what we're talking about here. In God's kingdom, we stoop down. That's what we do. Jesus reversed it all. It's not about climbing up into the right. It's about down into the left. We do stoop down. We kneel in the muck and mire to build up the lowly because that's what Jesus did for you and me on a cross, in a grave. So the paraphrase of blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy is blessed are those who show mercy and forgive for they understand the mercy that's been shown to them. We don't take it for granted. And we give it away. Next. Hey, we're moving forward. There was a little intro there. Sorry about that. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. How many want to see God? The kingdom-minded citizen wholeheartedly seeks God. Now, immediately when I said that, so many of us, depending upon how you raised and depending on what you've walked through, just felt shame and guilt and condemnation is on its way. Because I don't wholeheartedly seek God. I wholeheartedly seek a lot of things. But I'm not sure I wholeheartedly seek God. And I'm, this isn't for, for any shame or condemnation. This is just what God is inviting you into. And I want you to hear it from Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Really simple. You want to find God? He says, you will seek me and you will find me when you do it with part of your heart, a little bit of your heart, some of your heart. No. All of it. That's the invitation. That's not the weight of shame. That's the invitation of grace. That God can be found. Boy, that'll preach. Let's do it. See, the religious leaders in Jesus' day were hung up on ceremonial cleanliness. Let me put that in layman's terms if I can. They had a habit of fixing their external appearance while ignoring what was on the inside. <laughs> Jesus continually called them out of their actions because he saw through their facade. Right? Now listen. Some of you real quickly went to some people you know that are like that. They're one thing on the outside, but man, they're a mess on the inside. We're like, I know people like that. I know people like that. Do you get me? You follow me? Because here's what we do. We're, we're about to read this passage in Matthew 23 when Jesus is talking to the religious people. And we think that Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. Jesus is talking to us. Because we just might be the Pharisees of our day if religion is more important than Jesus. You ready? Here's what he says. And man, he, he's not like messing around at all here. We, in our culture today, we have declawed the Lion of Judah. He is a lion. He is a force. And so he says, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Now, at this point, they're going, okay. Hypocrites. Hypocrites. There's an exclamation point. It has to be said loud. For you are like whitewashed tombs. How I many would love to wake up and have somebody just say that to you? Right? It's happening right now. Holy Spirit, may we not be that. He says, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. This is Jesus talking to his people. Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Could you imagine that scene? I want to read this to you again out of the message. I just love the way it says it. 
you're hopeless. Hear Jesus say that when we are more caught up in behavior modification over true heart change, when it's just about being morally right instead of in love with Christ, hear him say this to us. You're hopeless because your religion can't save you. And if you think it's about outside change and looking good while your inside is full of all kinds of garbage, you have missed it. It's hopeless. You say you love God, but your investment inwardly is in the world. So he's saying, you're hopeless. You religion scholars and Pharisees, frauds. You're like manicured grave plots. Grass clipped, the flowers bright, but six feet down, it's all rotting bones and worm-eaten flesh. <laughs> I mean, they weren't laughing. People look at you and think you're saints, but beneath the skin, you're total frauds. Jesus said this to the religious people of his day. Would to God there be no ounce of that in us. And if there is, Holy Spirit, come and root it out at its core. See, too often we focus on our outward appearance but ignore our hearts. And when I say that, I want you to understand, it's that behavior modification. It's that sense of, I hear something good in church and it sets with me and there's conviction, not shame. There's conviction. I know that I want to do what's different than what I'm doing. And so I'm going to go out and I'm going to do it. No, you're not. Here's why. Because too often we make that decision out of willpower or emotion. Willpower to say, I can do what's right. And we go try to do what's right. And we do it for a long time until we become weary. And because it's not God-driven, the Spirit isn't there to support it and it dies. I'm taking a long time on this. But you have to get this because this is huge. Or emotionalism. Not that emotion is bad, but to make a decision, try to change based on how I feel, can be deceptive. And when the emotion runs out... You stop doing what you felt you should have done. See, what Jesus is calling us to isn't outside change, but inside change, where we invite him inside to do the deeper work. Let me put this in perspective for us. We think we can just look the part, but Jesus comes along and says something different. He says, it's the pure in heart that are blessed. In other words, you shouldn't focus on fixing your actions. Instead, focus your heart on Jesus. Focus your heart on Jesus. Do, let Jesus do heart work in your life. It's really what the journey we as a church are on. We're saying that we're actually kind of sick of religion, and we feel like Jesus came and thumbed his nose to it anyway, and pointed it out that it doesn't change anybody. We're kind of tired of religion. We're tired of sitting here trying to watch us, watch each other fumble around with behavior modification and doing something based on how I feel. And we're saying, no way. God wants to get into the deeper spaces, but it's some work. If you want to put effort in, let's surround ourselves with the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, and His people. And let's get to the deeper places of our heart where God does the change. And watch what happens as a result. But that's hard. That's not to say our actions don't matter. They do. We've just reversed the order. When you focus on your actions, your heart doesn't change. But when you focus on your heart, your actions will follow. Put it this way. Jesus is saying the blessed are those who do the right thing for the right reason. And the emphasis is on the motive behind the actions, not the actions themselves. I'll give you an example. People pleasing. Isn't it annoying? How many people pleasers in the room? Raise your hand. This is confession. This is a family. Oh, liars. There's some liars. I, I get like we've gone to church for so long and we're just, it's okay. That it, it's okay to sit and, and we can just kind of hide. And not anymore. We, we're putting this in a circle. We're all looking at each other. You with me? Okay. So you lie. You lie to a bunch of people now. You're not just lying to one. You're lying to a bunch. I'm just saying. Okay. And, and, and this is, how many people pleasers in the room? 
Okay, keep, keep, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. How many have been a people person, pleaser for a long time? Keep your hand up. If it's, okay, how many of you are over it? You know, you're not. What's wrong with you? Right? It's like, I don't know. Let's go to Galatians chapter 1. Starting in verse 10. You ready for it? Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Get ready. This is deep. This is one thing. There's a lot of these. Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, people. If I was still trying to please people. Paul doesn't mince words, folks, and don't ignore them. I can't rip this page out. I would not be a servant of Christ. Okay, listen. Recovering people pleaser. Meaning, still kind of like it. Okay? Living in resurrection. Learning not to want it as much. Wanting to please God. I didn't get there by just saying I'm no longer going to be a people pleaser. I got there by inviting the Holy Spirit into the places that's actually broken, that's causing the people pleasing. Because I was not meant to be a people pleaser. I was meant to be a God pleaser. It's how he created me. It's the garden. To live to please him and him alone and nobody else. And so to the degree that I desire and long to just please people is the degree that something from my past is impacting my present. And I can't live in that, but I want to live in that, but I don't. And I raise my hand and it's still not over, but it's still there. And it's because willpower and emotion won't change it. Only the power of the Holy Spirit, the word of God, and his people coming around you to dive into the places where God wants to do his work in you will heal it. Because you'll wake up to who you really are. And when you discover who you really are, you'll go, I don't need to please anybody but Jesus. You don't like me? That's fine. I didn't actually need you to like me when I woke up. I felt good to say. No idea where I'm at right now. Here, paraphrase that. Blessed are those who focus on the motive of their actions. For they shall see God at work in their hearts. Blessed are the peacemakers. This is the last one before we hit our final point. For they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Okay, you need to understand I, it, that with these blessings, blessed are is a promise. A promise is an if promise. Okay? Sons of God, daughters of God, peacemaker, go together. Okay, so I want you to get that. And here's what peace is. We talked about this at Christmas time. Understand, when God talks about peace... He is taking us back to the garden where he created and made us in his image after our likeness. And he put us in the garden, man and woman, and he said, there is peace. Nothing is missing and nothing is broken. You get that? Nothing missing, nothing broken. That's the peace of God, where there is nothing missing and nothing broken. How many of you, based on what you know about your life, have absolutely everything God intended for you and nothing of this world inside of you? Raise your hand. None of us. So there's some things missing that God has. And that's the longing of my soul is to gain the things that are missing. To let the Holy Spirit bring those into my life and to surrender the things that are holding that space. You, you tracking with me? How many of you got some things that have happened in your life that kind of caused some brokenness in you? People pleasers that raise your hand. That's right there. That's your opportunity too. Right? We all do. And so God is wanting to bring wholeness to us. And that's the journey of faith is that we would open our hearts to God so that he could bring what is missing and heal what is broken. That's peace. And so when you hear that, Jesus begins his ministry. When, when, when he reads from Isaiah in Luke 4, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. That's in spirit and physically. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight of the blind, to set the oppressed free. If God is doing it, if Jesus is doing it, then we do it. You tracking? To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. See, the good news, the gospel is intimately connected to vulnerable people on the margins of life. On the margins of our society, our culture. And Jesus didn't come for the healthy, he came for the sick. He sought the lost sheep. He healed the sick, gave sight to the blind, set people free, called us to follow him and said, you will do even greater things. And that peace is to happen in our lives 
And that peace is to happen in the world, and they go together. Here's how this works. See, because so time, so many times we get obsessed, and sometimes we need to, okay? I'm not, that's a disclaimer. But we get obsessed with making sure that we're good and we're perfect and we're whole before we go do the things that God has called us to do. Here's what he said. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go. And that means as you are going, as you are being healed, as you are being sanctified, as you are being broken or, or healed, got me as you are being set free as you are being called go and make disciples as you are being blessed go be a blessing what are we waiting for well we're waiting to get things sorted here because for too long we've tried to let religion change us and it can't and many of us today are finding out that the religion that we thought would change us can't because religion can't change us that's why jesus put his finger on religion and said that's not god and so we invite the Holy Spirit in and we step into this relationship. Okay. When Jesus uses the word peace, he's saying this. One who's received the peace of God and brings peace to others. Not simply one who makes peace, but one who spreads the peace of God that they've experienced. I need you to get this and I'm going to move on quick. When Jesus says peacemakers will be called sons of God, this isn't just a statement of relationship. By the way, that means daughters too. It's a statement of character. In Jesus' day, when you called someone uh, a son of, then you were saying that they are like them, good or bad. So when Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, he's saying God is a peacemaker. God pursued peace with us when we had absolutely no interest in peace with him. Did you catch that? And then Jesus is also saying something about us. He's saying that when we pursue peace, pursue peace, that's a twister, we are being like God. To be called a son of God was unheard of to the crowd that he was speaking to and that was listening. It's uncommon, actually uncommon for them, incredibly commonplace for us today. But it was revolutionary teaching. You got to hear this. He is allowing us, he is inviting us into son and daughtership, but he is saying, if God is a God of peace, then so are we. And if God is a peacemaker, by the way, not a peacekeeper, peacemaker, then we ought to be peacemakers as well. I looked up the word revolution. I do this a lot. Revolution, what does that even mean? I want you to hear this. Forcible or, or a, a forcible overthrow of a government or social order in favor of a new system. Jesus comes and the kingdom of darkness had had its day, and he brings the kingdom of light. And he says, I am doing a new thing. And he announces the kingdom of God, and that kingdom will overthrow the kingdom of darkness. It is a revolution. He flipped it upside down, and he invited us to be part of it. Jesus thinks of peacemaking as all the acts of love by which we try to overcome the enmity between us and other people. Peacemaking tries to build bridges to people, not burn them down. It does not want animosity to remain in any relationship. It wants reconciliation. It wants Harmony. That's what peacemaking wants. And it will do whatever it takes to accomplish it. Why? Because the mission of God is to reconcile the world to himself through Christ. That means to make all things new. That is about heart. And that's what this church is about. We don't have a mission. God has a mission. We join him in his mission. Blessed are those who have received peace and bring peace to others, for they are the sons and daughters of God. Now, what if we embody these attributes the way we should? What will the world's response be? They're going to love us. I think that's what we're, that's what we're expecting. If you do love right, then the world will absolutely... Accept and love you. Not what Jesus said. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Listen to me. The world hates, will hate, kingdom-minded people. The world. Yes, we love. Absolutely. We love the way Jesus loves us. That's going to be the problem. We love, that is grace and truth. See, kingdom-minded citizens will be persecuted by the world. The world is also in the church, by the way, because the mindset of anything other than Christ is a mindset of the world. And so there is a world in you, if there is a mindset of the world in you, that will attack and persecute you. But there is also a mindset in the church that if it's not a mindset of Christ, it is a mindset of the devil, and it will persecute each other. We're watching that happen. This is so important. The humility to come before God and say, I just want your mindset, not mine, not this world, not the flesh, nothing. The kingdom-minded citizens will be persecuted by the world. Why? Hear this. Because kingdom-minded citizens live in such a way that the world looks at us and says, hey, you're not one of us. You're not living like you're supposed to. Well, get ready. You think, not in this country, oh, you're not being told right now how you're supposed to live? I feel it. Kingdom-minded citizens will be persecuted by the world. Why? Because even in the world, there are acceptable differences of living. Get ready. There's acceptable differences of living. The only one that is unacceptable is the way of living according to a different kingdom than that one. Listen, it's okay if you live in a different way in the kingdom of darkness. That won't ruffle any feathers. But the moment you step out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light and you start to live the way God has called us to live, they won't like that. Period. That's a revolution against the enemy of our soul. Do you think we're at war with darkness? Darkness is at war with light. And I laugh at that. Because I know what's true. Light always dispels darkness. And God is calling his people who are light, you are the light of the world, into the darkness. And the darkness doesn't like the light. you got to hear this. And so the darkness that is in the world will begin to wreak havoc on the light that is in the people of God. Are you catching what's happening here? And yet, I can walk into a room and turn the light on. And somebody turn it off, I turn it back on. Because the light will always dispel the darkness. And so Jesus comes and dies on a cross and rises from the dead and turns an eternal light on. And now darkness can't put it out. And darkness is angry. Let's be honest. This is the one we wish wasn't included in all this. We all know what persecution means. What we need to lean in on is why persecution and hear this jesus says blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake listen to me there are some christians that get persecuted for saying and doing some really dumb and hurtful things that jesus never stood for so we got to get our priorities right it is a kingdom mission there is no blessing in persecution that isn't for righteousness sake. No, it isn't. And so we have to be really, really clear on what is righteousness or justice. Because there will be persecution that will come that will feel like righteous persecution, but you're just getting persecuted because you're not wise. And you're not like Jesus. But there are some Christians when we're persecuted for the things Jesus was persecuted for, we'll be blessed. God help us know the difference. I don't have time to dive into this and get deep, but blessed are you when you're persecuted, when what you say and do are consistent with what Jesus says and does. Blessed are those. 
Okay, wow. I'm not going to end right now. I am almost done. Jesus isn't done yet, though. He says one more thing that you have to hear. Rejoice and be glad. We just talked about persecution and what's going to happen. Rejoice and be glad. Connected to that. Rejoice and be glad. Hear this. For your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted. It's connected. Rejoice is connected with persecution. They persecuted the prophets who were before you. They did the same thing to Jesus, but he's the one saying it. You need to understand the weight of Jesus' words right here. He is not saying that this is, is trivial. Rejoice. Happy. Not trivial. He's not telling you to fake it and grin and bear it. Not what he's saying. Again, we'll try to go be joyful in affliction. That's not what he's saying. What he is saying is there is something in us that endures beyond your current circumstances when God is at work. I'm yelling. I'm excited. You got to hear this. There is something in you that despite how dark and bad your life may be, you can still rejoice. And if you have difficulty in your life and you can't rejoice, invite Jesus in. Invite the Holy Spirit in. Surrender that place. Because it can become holy ground. But right now, it's just ground. Rejoice, he says. That's the gospel message. No matter how bad life gets, we rejoice. Not in our circumstances, but in who Jesus is. And let's not forget, we serve a God who doesn't just tell us to do this, but modeled it for us on the cross. Blessed are you who can rejoice in the worst of moments in your life, for you have found the true treasure. I want that. As we close. Hallelujah. Randy Alcorn, who's with Focus on the Family, said this, and I quote, The Bible tells us we are pilgrims, strangers, aliens, and ambassadors working far from home. Our citizenship is in heaven. But we've become so attached to this world that we live for the wrong kingdom. We forget our true home. We forget our true home. Built for us by our bridegroom. Jesus said to his disciples, I go to make a place for you. I go to prepare a place. Nothing is more often misdiagnosed than our homesickness for heaven. We think that what we want is money, sex, drugs, alcohol, a new job, a raise, a doctorate, a spouse, a large screen TV, a new car, a vacation. What we really want is the person we were made for, Jesus, and the place we were made for, heaven. Nothing less can satisfy us. Your name and renown are the desires of our hearts. Isaiah 26, 8. God, in this, in this moment, will you forgive me? Will you forgive us for committing adultery against you? by allowing the things of this world to become idols before you. Even good things that have lost their place, that we actually love, want, and desire more than you. And they attempt to fill a void that we're never meant to fill. Only deity sits there. Only deity satisfies. And so God, would that, could that forgiveness be ours today? We repent of thinking that other things are better and bring greater joy. In the Beatitudes and the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus reveals how his kingdom works. What he establishes is revolutionary and different than anything this world has seen. And when we read these words, we often just read them as good ideas. But Jesus actually expects his followers to live like this. Expects it. And if you think I'm still praying, amen. Sorry. But maybe we need to close our eyes as we listen. The Beatitudes are not just something that are, are good in theory. 
and I want you to hear this. They should be, and there's some shoulding here. They should, shoulding, in case you needed to hear that. They should be the markers of our lives. Should be. A must. And so if you're in this space and you're saying, you know what, man, my heart has been awakened to the things that God has and wants for me. And it will develop a mindset in me that will change the way I see myself, the way I see God, the way I see people. It'll change the way I interact in a world that is broken and hurting and lost. It'll change everything. To have the mind of Christ is my heart's desire. And yet I know I'm not there, but I want to be. Would you stand? Because I want to pray for us. That we would have the mind of Christ. I will tell you today that most of our battle in the church is between the mind of Christ and the mind of this world. That's the battle. For we war not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and authorities in dark places. That's who we fight. And we fight it in the presence of God together. And so, Father, in this space, I pray that we would put a stake in the ground, claim this moment as holy and sacred, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit in such a way that you would bring us to those spaces and those places where your Holy Spirit dwells, where your Word of God is poured in, where the people of God surround and that, God, you would begin to bring, spring up a well of goodness that is the, the blessings of God, that is the character of Jesus, that is the goodness and greatness of who he is, that causes us to think and live and act and talk differently than the world we live in. And when persecution comes, Holy Spirit, come and give us not the spirit to fight those who bring it, but the desire to, to fight the evil that is behind it. And realize that this world is bound by the same thing we once were bound by, but now you are setting us free. And we know who our enemy is. And we choose the kingdom of God. And we choose the king of this kingdom. And so today, may that king so fill us with his spirit that we think like him every moment of every day from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to bed. And when the mindset is not of him, give us the wisdom to know the difference and send it running and rebuke it in Jesus' name and walk away from it because it is causing us to miss something and it keeps us in our brokenness. But we were designed for freedom. We were designed for the garden. We were designed for holiness. So may we find that in Jesus' name and be that church. Be that church.
declaration today, Father. We desire to build on you and on nothing else, Lord. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to have met you here this morning, Lord. And we thank you for the opportunity to sing your praises and to sing the glory of your name with loud voices and open hearts and open hands, Father. In expectance, of being a part of your glory. We love you, Lord, in your name. Amen, amen. Good morning, if you wouldn't mind taking a seat for just a minute. My name is Kate, and I'm the kids pastor here at the Hope Collective. And yo, yay for kids, woo! Yep, right? You know you shout it out, you know. Even if you're e-learning, you're shouting out for kids. Come on, come on. I'm thrilled to have you all here. And if you are a guest this morning, we are so glad that you have joined us, whether you're here within these walls or on the other side of that screen. And we just wanna have the opportunity um, to say hello to you. And so if you are a guest today, we would love for you to put in um, the texting of 97,000 that you are a guest. And we would love to make a donation in your name to one of our Hope Collective partners or you can stop by the welcome table on your way out today and we can say hi. And while our guests are helping us to give generously, we wanna give you, those of you that call the Hope Collective your home, the opportunity to give generously as well. And while we're in a situation where we're not passing the offering baskets right now, we would still love for you to participate either online one of those, or you can participate by um, giving it to the people as they walk out the door, because we are in this together. We are a hope collective, bringing the hope of Jesus, not only within these walls, but in the walls outside of us and our neighbors and throughout the world. Well, before we leave this morning, I have a couple of announcements. First of all, if you have a child between the ages of three years old and fifth grade, Ignite is back, and that is happening. Woo-hoo! That is happening starting this Tuesday, February 2nd. It's from 6.30 to 8 o'clock every Tuesday night. And it is a time of fun and joy and we sing and we play and we talk about Jesus and we have a great time. And it is not too late to register. So if you are the parent of said child, we would love to have them. So you can go to the Hope Collective page and find the kids page and register there. Also, two weeks from today, on February 14th, we are going to have our next Move Lunch, a perfect Valentine's Day gift, wouldn't you think? And what this is, is if you are new, or maybe you've been coming for a while, but you haven't had the opportunity to hear from our staff or hear more about what the Hope Collective is all about, we would love to treat you to lunch and an opportunity to meet the staff and just hear a little bit more about us. You do need to register for that, though, so you can go on the Hope Collective page and register there. Thank you so much for being here today. And it is our prayer as you walk through those doors today, you will know how much you are loved and you will be filled with the hope of who you are in Jesus Christ. Have a great week.